0: hello welcome to project 99 it is December 11th 2019
1: actually no it's the 12th yes we're recording a day later than usual so
0: oh right yeah <laughs> right I was like wait that's not
1: right so our it whiteboard is, is lying right it is now.
0: December 12th 2019 um, and Mick has a ton of subjects on the board here so I feel like I'm just gonna hand it over to her and let her jump right into this i don't think uh there's not really any updates on the impeachment hearings
1: oh lord they had Um, the judiciary hearing this week and nothing has changed yet (laughs) it was like i couldn't really even take one for the team and listen to all of it because it's just the same rehashing and the republicans are like a bunch of five-year-olds like literally uh matt getz was like i can't see the board and I'm like, we'll read it to you. And he's like, that's not fair. I mean, it was yeah. so juvenile. I just couldn't do it. Yeah. I just Awful. like, I'm done. <clears throat> and today was no better. I watched about ten minutes of it, and it was like they couldn't even get through the opening um, articles before the Republicans were like, you know, asking for some kind of decision on something. It was just ridiculous. So I'll be so glad when it's all over with and we can just move on. Yeah, I'm waiting for major
0: updates before we come back to it because everything in between is kind of like nonsensical at this point.
1: The only thing really in my mind that was important this particular week was that, and I re- remember I told you about this when we talked about uh, the whole, we did the whole Ukraine thing, and, mm-hmm. and I said to watch the Lev Parnas and Iger Fruman indictment because mm-hmm. that's where the real information is going to come out. And apparently when they subpoenaed, um, well, okay, so they when he arrested Lev Parnas at the airport um, on his way out of the country, he had like 18 electronic devices on his person and on those device on those devices he has phone calls he says between um president trump and giuliani and so anyways they s- subpoenaed some phone records and in the process of getting his phone records they found out that devin nunes has been had made, been making some phone calls to giuliani and lev parnas So that's, like, the GOP's flipping out because they're like, oh, now you're spying on the Republicans. It's like, no, we were like, this guy's indicted. We subpoenaed his phone records. What would be the point of that if we couldn't look and see who he was talking to? And sorry that your guy was talking to an indicted criminal. Shocker. So, you know, they're all just in it neck deep. And I just, like, you know, can't wait. I know. (laughs) I just want it to be over. (laughs) They're all corrupt. But anyway... So that was the only thing really we had to talk about there. And then you wanted to talk about the Spring Hill Sweet scare. <laughs>
0: oh, yeah, the Spring Hill Sweets thing. The only reason this aggravated me is just because it's another example of not getting the full story. And, um, well, first of all, we had this event happen in our city sometime last week. Um,
1: it was on the weekend because I was going to work. Yeah, it was, it was like Saturday night, I think.
0: Friday, Friday or Saturday. Or Saturday. <clears throat> I think it was Saturday. Um, but anyway, so this call comes across the scanner And it's kind of some confusion about what exactly was going on. But there was a call that someone was on the roof of this hotel um, with weapons. And basically, it was a call saying, like, we need to get people down here because this could be a shooter situation. Mm -hmm. Um, And that's definitely how the police were, you know, from what they were going back and forth. You're like, okay, they're definitely treating this as a serious threat. Um, You know, they were like blocking off and moving people out of the area and um treating it as an active shooter situation um and there was even reports that someone had heard a gunshot well
1: what happened was because i was listening to it on my way to work and um as i approached the uh exit where you would get off uh, to ogilvy exit to go to the spring spring hill suites on national Roads where it was at the cops came flying up behind me and i was already listening to the scanner and they did say there was a man on the top floor so i wasn't sure if he was on the roof or if he was on the actual top floor of the hotel and so i just assumed like it was somebody suicidal and then you know i kept listening to it and the cops like went down the exit three cruisers went screaming by and um they continued to talk to the dispatcher and he was saying that um, the person that he was that was on the phone Um, And I wasn't sure whether the person had called the dispatcher directly which is what happened or if the person had called the hotel From the room, but in any event um, the dispatcher was reporting that the that the person had a gun and then um, the person calling said that he had shot his mother and that there was a um, That he is was reloading his gun and the dispatcher had reported that he thought he heard a gunshot in the background And so then the deputies or the, you know, responding officers were saying that they were, they were going to consider this to be a possible active shooter. So I work at a hotel and this has happening at a hotel. Nobody can ever remember what hotel I work at because there's so many hotels. So initially I just let people that I know, know that this was not my hotel. It's not me. But then, like, the more serious it sounded, the more details I mean, this, were this went on out. for hours. We, we were listening to the
0: scanner for hours on end, and it seemed like they were just posting up outside and getting everybody out of the area doing crowd control. Right, they were control. evacuating
1: the, the hotel. Right, they, all the <clears> stuff <throat> they were
0: doing. Um, so, you know, we're listening, and it's, like, sounding pretty serious. Um, and at one point, um, they had, I forget what the agency is called, Special Task Force or something. Mm-hmm. Um, they had, like, four different counties there. I mean, it was getting pretty serious. Um, so then eventually, out of nowhere, seems like the scanner traffic just stops. And they're like, okay, everything's fine now. And it's like, okay, this is strange. And finally, when the news starts reporting on it, they say um, that it wasn't an active shooter situation, that that's not what they thought it was, blah, 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 going on and on. So... I guess the whole thing that kind of aggravated me about it is that when I was listening to the scanner myself and they say, like, oh, we're going to treat this as a shooter, possible shooter situation, Uh then, you know, I'm texting people I know, like, hey, are you in this area? Like, avoid this area because they're closing the roads down, blah, 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 blah. But then it comes back out on the news later and they're like, oh, no, that's not what's going on. Well,
1: and they said, like, try to get your information from a more reliable source, and that's exactly why we listen to the scanner. So I guess the lesson here is that yeah, it
0: kind of aggravated me because I didn't want that the people who I told like, hey, avoid this area, this seems pretty serious, to think that I was the one being overdramatic right. because the news, right. you know, said nothing was right. happening and nothing went on. And I'm just like, well, clearly if you listen to the scanner traffic,
1: they were treating it as right. a threat. right. And so, I think that the thing here you got to understand is that when an incident is unfolding, the police don't even know what's going on. So, of course, if you are listening to it live, and you're telling people, hey, I'm hearing this. Then, of course, just like the police were fooled into thinking that it was an active shooter, then they found out that it wasn't. And so did everybody who was also listening and passing on that information. Right? I don't so, know why the
0: news didn't just come <clears throat> back and be like, oh, the police were treating this as a you know shooter situation because this is the call that they got but it turned out to be, you know, not
1: that situation. Yeah, they they did kind of downplay it, make it sound like it was just a crank call, and to me from what I heard it sounded like a lot more than just a crank they call. They were treating it
0: as a pretty credible threat. Right. I mean, and
1: like if you listen to it and I mean, we we listen to the scanner all the time because we live on the island because I was a firefighter EMT for years and we just like to know what's happening all around us all the time. <laughs> so we're kind of scanner junkies, but um so they were even saying that um there when the police arrived on the scene like they were watching a guy on the fourth floor and he was opening a window and they didn't know what he was going to do and i mean it was like if and you were listening 2, to it they were saying like they called the room and the guy picked up and then he hung up no 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 the dispatcher was was saying to the officers that he was that the person was disconnected then he was calling back oh okay, so, okay. but i didn't know uh, still at that point like you don't know is the dispatcher See, talking I to thought, the hotel and the yeah, hotel I like thought, you can't get it all but i
0: thought they were saying that they were trying to get in contact with that the room that was in question. and They were the,
1: trying to find out from the caller ID, but apparently it wasn't coming up on there. The guy was telling them that he was at the Spring Hill Suites. Okay, but they don't think he was. But they when they got there, they searched every single room and didn't find anything that, hmm. you know, obviously if a person acts normal when they get there, it could have been that person. And how would they know for sure if it did right. come up? So, I mean, there's it's still under investigation, but I guess the thing is, like, if you hear something... You should take precaution. Like, even if, if, there, if I hear that there's a fire or a car accident somewhere, I'll t- call and tell people, hey, you know, there's a car accident Yeah, avoid there. this area or right? whatever. So, I mean, but just, I guess the thing is you should say possible. You should always say possible. <laughs> right. Because as much as it did sound, when you're listening to it, like, this is actually, like, someone is out there with a gun about to shoot a bunch of people. Yes, you should say possible. And uh, I, but I did go back and re-listen to it thinking, did I like misinterpret this? Yeah, I know. Like, I did it, too. I wasn't. Was I like telling people like this sounded like an active, active shooter and it wasn't? Well, that's No, a, it actually did sound. The people that I
0: contacted and I was like, hey, are you home? Whatever. Like just avoid the area because they have the roads blocked off because this is what they're talking about or whatever. That was basically all I put out there because I don't know, just in our small town,
1: I was kind of Well, skeptical. I mean, it was like eleven fifteen at night. I think the only people I told were you and my boyfriend so that you would know if you heard it on the news it wasn't my hotel right and then i told my boss because i didn't know if that hotel was part of our our chain of hotels and maybe she would need to make some notification to corporate about the act ongoing situation so i notified her but that was and and i text my cousin like so that was pretty much all the people i told it wasn't like i went on facebook and like blew this thing out of the water or whatever but yeah i mean i think people it's the responsibility of citizens to keep each other informed Because if I hear something is actively going on, like at the mall, okay, I'm not gonna like let people I know just go ahead and like if they're going to the mall. Well, and that's
0: the thing too is that it's like if you don't, and then something does happen.
1: Right. It's better just to be safe and avoid the area. I mean, it wasn't like I was, you know, right telling people to go into this area. I was just saying like, hey, you know, you might want to avoid this area because like well, they did have all
0: the roads blocked off,
1: so. So that was that was pretty crazy though and i'm thankful i of course that it was it wasn't as far as we know there wasn't anything as far as what the caller whether he actually did shoot somebody and wasn't at the place he told them he was at who knows but um yeah that was a pretty crazy situation
0: yeah definitely for around here i think the last shooting that happened here was the federal
1: building yes
0: and you always that was
1: how long ago people now? always say that like um oh it doesn't we never thought it would happen around here you know what i mean so that when you hear it, you're like, oh, that can't, that took Right, work. no, when I heard
0: it, I was like, no, there's no way. <laughs> this it's, has got to be wrong. But for the then, first hour that I was listening to that call, um, I just kept thinking this guy's like drunk or he's just, you right. know, being And I mean, stupid. when you listen
1: to people on the news that have been actually at the scene of active shooter things, what do they say? Well, I thought there was construction going on and it was right. banging and I didn't realize it was gunshots. So I didn't like get out of the area <laughs> quickly. So, I mean, yeah, I mean, I guess it's better to err on the side of, caution and just avoid the area and then if you find out later it's a prank phone call who cares right yeah exactly so anyway enough on that so yeah
0: my only point for that was uh (laughs) the news here sucks
1: (laughs) (laughs) and it does And honestly like another reason we listen to the scanner it it took
0: them like an hour to even get there to report on anything
1: well right I mean and, and that's what we always talk about too because being scanner listeners like we hear So much th- goes on they don't we, even report oh, about. So if it happens stuff. on the weekend or after 5 o'clock, you don't hear yeah, about it. Yeah, absolutely not. Like, nothing is. And actually, if you look at what they put on their Facebook page, they were saying, pictures are being sent to us from the scene. So they weren't even there. Like, people were p- taking photos and being yep. citizen journalists and sending it to the, you know, the news. The team. news. Yeah. And they were obviously just saying um, there's a heavy police presence. Like for Yeah, a few that's hours, all they was That's say. all it was said, heavy police presence or whatever, but – Yes, Yes. but anyway. Um, Okay, so this week we're going to talk about the war on democracy. Now, that might sound like a bit of an exaggeration, but I can tell you that um, there are multiple avenues that the elites have accessed in order to pretty much nullify the voice of the voter. And it's always been an issue in politics that, Like in our very first episode we talked about, you know, you can't have egalitarian society where everyone has equal rights and also have such vast wealth inequality because it always turns out that people with vast wealth have more influence. I mean that's just the two things are just incongruent. You can't have, you know, elitism and also have egalitarianism. They're just incongruent with one another. So You have the elites always trying to assert more power. And so the mechanisms that they use to do that, one of the biggest ones is money and politics. And this is one area where there hasn't really been a huge amount of uh, cooperation among our elected representatives to enact campaign finance reform. Why? Because they all profit from the dirty system. They all get their pockets lined from the donor class in exchange for passing whatever legislation that person wants. And I always told people, if you want to know about a candidate, ignore what they're saying on the campaign trail. Ignore about their promises they're making to you. Go to opensecrets.org and look at who is giving them money because that is going to tell, going to tell you what they're going to do when they're actually in office. They're not going to vote against their own self-interest. Oh, yeah,
0: what about uh, old Pete, <clears throat> old Mayor Pete? Oh, Mayor Pete. Not wanting to give up his information. They're like, well, why? And he's basically just like, because I don't want to. Like, (laughs) that's it. Because I don't want to.
1: Because my peeps was rich, folks. (laughs) He will not
0: give it up. I love the video that's been circulating of him where they're just like, well, will you release it? And do you have, you know, he's like, yeah, I can. And they're like, then why don't you? And he's just like,
1: I'm considering it. (laughs) Like, no explanation. (laughs) Well, like, Mayor Pete kind of came out of nowhere. And, like, Elizabeth Warren's been around for, like, you know ever but it's since kinda, back when she was a republican yeah <laughs> i mean a lot of people like didn't know that about her and i confess that until she became a, a nominee for president i didn't pay that much attention to elizabeth bourne i didn't know that much about her and i certainly didn't know she was a republican before so i mean i think it's kind of a learning process for everybody i mean i try to keep on top of politics but i don't go and research these people back to the day they entered politics but when you're running for election your competitors will do that for you so um apparently elizabeth warren was a pretty hardcore republican and uh you know pretty i apologize for my cold that i've got going on this week but uh, everyone has been so sick i
0: I was surviving so long i know i was out drinking with my friends and you know this and that and i'm like dude i know i like i drink every weekend with my friends and we're around all these people and it's like i'm gonna get (laughs) sick it destroys your immune system i'm gonna get sick but i made it and then my boyfriend got sick and I'm like, no, and now I'm living with someone who's sick. Like, no, I'm going to get sick it's for like sure. The <laughs> I was totally fine, completely fine, until I came here, yeah. and um, my four-year-old niece climbs up on my lap being all cute and then turns and looks at me and just open-mouth coughs <laughs> into my mouth and eyeballs. And I was like, well, it's yeah. over. It's over. <laughs> and then I got sick. Oh, right. my goodness.
1: It's but like I... a merry-go-round of sickness, too. Like, one person gets it, and then oh, they yeah. get over it, and the it's, next person gets it. It's been bad. Oh it has God. been bad, but...
0: So, um, yeah, Elizabeth
1: Warren supposedly had her awakening. Yeah, which, she, I mean,
0: I feel like in a way, as much as I joke that I'm like, ah, yeah, she used to be a Republican, like, um, at the same time, the fact that she, you know, did all this supposed research on wealth inequality and this and that, and that made her a Democrat, is what she claims, mm-hmm. is, if that's the truth, and that's,
1: I feel like that's completely respectable. Oh, right, you can be reborn. Like, when I was very, very young, like, right out of high school, I thought that the Republican Party was about families and morals and i mean what a joke like how naive was i they always say like you're a democrat when you're young because you have all these idealistic yeah and ideas. Conservative and then, when you're old. yeah and you turn into a conservative and you go like the opposite happened to me because you know when i was younger i was fa- f- fairly religious in high school i believed i was going to go into the convent believe it or not so i was fairly on the conservative side and i thought the republican party was all about like you know family values and then i actually became a voter and realized what a bunch of corrupt shit bags the republican party is like they throw us into wars like you do the list just goes on on. starting to see that about the uh well i guess not starting to see but i feel like the older
0: i got i started to see how corrupt the democratic party is too because i feel like when i first started getting into politics i was like oh absolutely i'm a democrat Mm -hmm. no doubt about it but then the older I get, I'm like, okay, maybe I'm not that either. So, You're progressive. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I'm definitely not um, party associated just because I was just saw on Twitter today, too, um, Michelle Obama and explaining how her and George Bush, you know, have, they're, they're for the same message. And I'm just, I reposted it on Twitter and I was like, elite's gonna elite because <laughs> that's what this is. Like, yeah, they, just bought, like trust a, any of they them. just
1: bought, like, a $10 million mansion. I can't. In like I can't.
0: Or <laughs> I just can't. I'm like, this is what you guys get, you know? But like I said, when I was in high school, it's was like, yeah, Obama, hope, change, blah, 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 because I was a teenager and had a basic understanding of politics, and as time goes on, I'm just disgusted more and more with them. So, yeah, it's funny how people progress as long as they are willing to accept things like new information. Right. I mean, that's what that's kills why me. I
1: turn and even the whatever you call like the progressive party. Some of them are like some of them believe that the whole Russia thing was a hoax. And that's really, really, really big in the progressive left right now. And I know too much about what happened with Donald Trump and the Russians and everything before he yeah. ever decided to run for president to believe that there's not some,
0: not uh, some payback
1: going coalition on
0: there. or. Um, what is
1: that? So I, I understand that, like, people like Jimmy Dore and a lot of the people, you know, Aaron Matei and stuff, that they want to criticize Nancy Pelosi and Chuck Schumer and all those elitist Democrats, they deserve your wrath, okay? But when it go, when they go so far as it sounds like they're running interference for Donald Trump, that's what I don't understand. Because right, he's yeah. corrupt as hell, too, so why are you defending him? Like, yes, you want to call out Nancy Pelosi's corruption, but, like, you want to make excuses for Donald Trump's corruption. That's not being progressive. That's just – I don't know why they do it. But, um, and a part of it, I think, is just because they think they're, they're smarter than everybody else, that they figured out that it was all just a vast left-wing conspiracy. Oh, know. man, I can't
0: – you know, <laughs> people always make fun of me and call me left. And actually, we uh, did an episode of the Mimi Suprema show last week where we had a guest on um, who is, now I see, pretty conservative, although we were both drunk, you know, as we always are on the Mimi Suprema show. And he and I are debating – And he's um, older, like probably in his late forties, I would say. So we're debating or whatever, and everyone's like, "All right, enough politics," because we like do not talk about politics on the show. And both of us were fine, like we had competing ideas, and nobody was getting like out of hand or whatever. But then you know how alcohol is, so we ended up pulling the episode later because we're just like, "This is not what the Meme Supreme Show is." So we pulled it. But um, just the conversations I had back and forth with him, and I was like. Okay, so there are, like, but I, I'm just, like, not done
1: because mm-hmm.
0: I'm, like, they cut me off, and I'm just, like, I just want to go back because I feel like I can change we'll have your mind. Come on our show. Like, <laughs> like, and we can sit here, and we can... Yeah, like, I feel
1: like... We can tag uh, team. <laughs> I feel like I can change your mind. I don't know. <laughs> one thing I learned about debating with my conservative... One of my conservative friends is that if you give up some ground, like, about Hillary Clinton, because I despise Hillary Clinton. I think she's so corrupt, and she's not for the people at all. If you give up some ground with a hardcore conservative that, yes, I agree with you that Hillary is, is, is a piece of shit, then all they hear is, yes, Hillary's a piece of shit, Well, but no, they never see, hear he, your side of when it. When I was
0: debating with him, we were talking about taxes and money, which I get that that's a big thing for him because he's a business owner. So, like, I get that. Um, but, you know, the thing I brought up to him was, it's not, um, first of all, the, the wanting to eat the rich and going after billionaires does not affect people like him. Mm -hmm. Um, so I'm like that's the first thing when you say eat the rich we're not talking about people who make hundreds of thousands but we're talking about people who make hundreds of of billions yeah you know what I mean like that's the difference but I we came to a common ground where I said that the I think the biggest thing that all taxpayers should have an issue with is the fact that the government's gotten completely out of hand on how they spend our tax dollars and I'm like I know people get aggravated when they're like all these people are on food stamps and I'm paying for them to go on food stamps But that's such a small portion of the budget compared to, like, the money that we give to Israel or the money that we invest in military equipment that then we never use and sell off to other countries. I mean, all of the other stupid shit that we do that isn't in the media to be Mm -hmm. mad at. And that's the thing that I want to make people understand because I'm like, if you have a stance that you think that you shouldn't be taxed so much or whatever, it's like, that's your opinion. But at least know that you shouldn't be angry at poor people because it's, it's not their fault. Right,
1: exactly. And you the thing I mean? I, the thing that aggravates me about the mainstream media is that they you know, genuinely do create a war on democracy because people are so do. misinformed. They are misinformed. Or they're just not informed. For example, like what you're saying about the budget. Um, there's a lot of websites out there that the government's required to put out their budgets. And these people go through and look for ridiculous spending. One of them is called Open the Books. Uh, it's a free place you can go to. They they issue reports on different government waste um, and fraud and abuse that goes on in the government. Why is that not on CNN? Right, exactly.
0: Because it, it's all—that's the thing that I get in with politics is I'm like, I don't even want to talk to somebody about politics if their main source of news is CNN or Fox News. I mean— Because you don't really know anything. What
1: do I care if somebody is diddling somebody else or paying off a of point or whatever? I mean— I mean, as far as the president goes, yeah, it could be something that could be held over his head and cause problems of foreign governments. I get See, that. I don't even, I don't even care about that. But I'm just that. saying, like, somebody who's a state legislator and the, they find out the person is, like, having an affair. Who gives a yeah, crap? Yeah, I don't give a shit about that at all. Or, like, the GOP that used revenge porn against the Democratic yeah. person to Awful. get her to resign. I mean, That's stu- that story was on the news. And to me, like, it's the, 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 the whole shame of the story is not shame on her. It's shame on them. Right for using pictures that well I thought that too Again, you know when people on the left really shocked me when they were
0: bashing Melania for posing nude and it's like yeah it's funny to make jokes about because it's not like it doesn't fit their conservative values and they're hypocrites Mm -hmm. so I mean if you want to make fun of them being hypocrites Mm -hmm. that's fine Mm -hmm. but don't make fun of her for posing nude because like you know what I mean? Like we're supposed to—we're supposed to be the people that don't shame people for what they choose to do with well, their bodies, I think, right? And, and now I, you're presenting a double standard just because she's a Republican. No, I get
1: what you're saying there, but I think a lot of that backlash about Melania posing nude came as a result of people who were saying ridiculous things about the Obamas being out of office, which I'm glad they're out of office. I didn't like Obama either, but I'm saying they were saying things like, "Finally, we have a first lady that has some class," like. How does Melania Trump have
0: more class than Michelle Obama? I I don't think she does or doesn't. I mean, I think Michelle Obama was more respectable for the fact that she was really educated. And I think that she did have missions on things that she, you know, actually had goals for things that she wanted to do or whatever. I think Melania's Be Best campaign is, like, very hypocritical and um, not very genuine. Because it's like, how could you have an anti-bullying campaign when your husband is, like, literally on Twitter, like, bullying people daily? Um So it just seems disingenuous to me, and I think that doesn't make her very classy. But as far as just based on nothing but looks, I think they were both classy. I mean, I don't understand. I don't like her and for for other reasons, but Mm -hmm. the way that she dresses or the way that she looks has has nothing to do with that. Mm -hmm. And I I feel like people on the left who bring that up, Mm -hmm. it's like you're completely going against the message that you claim to have. And that doesn't help the argument, because when you post, oh, Melania was a porn star, well, now you're just giving the right, like, oh, I thought you people were supposed to be tolerant. And like, this is not a, this is not a a good conversation. It's a, yeah, it is a sideshow. And I have absolutely no reason to participate in that kind of dialogue. It's just stupid.
1: Right. I think a lot of it is purposely generated sideshows to keep us from focusing on like the real important stuff. It absolutely is. So, um, okay. So money and politics, uh, there's a couple of different ways that money affects politics. First of all, you have the pre-election money which we're seeing a lot of that thank god the democrats have gotten the message that we on the left don't want candidates dirtied up with corporate money so it's actually this is the first election that that i could that i think has ever happened where it's become a badge of pride to not take corporate money i
0: don't know bernie did it in 2016 as well he did
1: it but it wasn't like a challenge like and now everybody has to not yeah, take it that's right true. so it's spreading now that the we democratic don't like debates
0: this year were definitely a uh, different contrast to last mm-hmm. year because you're right bernie was like the only one that repeated it over and over like i don't take big corporate money mm-hmm. and you're right now
1: everyone now everyone's beating that drum which is right. good it is good but they're all copycats, but it is good. Right, exactly. So there's the pre... pre uh, And if you go to openseekers.org, like I always tell people go there because it is very interesting to see where people get their money from. Like, for example, if you look at the donors to Michael Bloomberg... Who is a total shitbag and who I can't believe had the audacity to jump into the race at this point? Wait, wait, wait! I mean, he's a joke. Like, who's gonna he vote? For, is, he here, here's, what wanna, here's what I want to. Here's what I want to. If I had Michael Bloomer on our show, right I'm gonna now, do that every time you say his name. Here's what I would ask him, Mike. <laughs> <laughs> who's your demographic? Because, okay, you're super anti-gun, so there's half the country that's not gonna vote for you ever okay so then you go okay well i got all the lefties that are like yay you hate guns but of the people on the left they also hate billionaires so dude who are the three people that are gonna vote for you (laughs) i don't jeff bezos is gonna vote for you um and you and your wife i mean i really don't know who he thinks his demographic is i don't care how much money he pushes into the election no one's gonna vote for you guy nobody so, well, nobody that's well-educated, which is the whole thing. And he's be- he's slipping in there because Joe Who's Biden. Who's the other guy, too?
0: The, uh, the billionaire dude. Tom, Tom Steyer. Yeah, Tom Steyer.
1: I think yeah. about him, too. Like It's funny because Tom Steyer gave money to Mike Bloomberg. <laughs> Nobody's going
0: to vote for Tom like, Steyer. Like, before
1: he jumped into the president. I mean, for his last for time he was running for election, Steyer gave a bunch of money to Bloomberg. so that's He is just,
0: running on the right campaign trail, though. Basically, his message is, I'm also a businessman. I'm just not a corrupt businessman. And I do it a lot better but than listen, Trump did. Like, if a, you know I I anything good... about
1: Bloomberg, Bloomberg was a Republican, too, from, like, 2001 to 2007. So he was uh, a Republican more recently than... Um, <laughs> i'm
0: gonna do the noise every time you say his name White Bloomberg. <laughs>
1: um, so he was a, he was a republican more recently than um tom steyer no elizabeth, uh, warren. elizabeth warren yes so 2001 and 2007 and he had some of the worst policies ever in new york i mean he had the stop and frisk where he was like discriminating against black people let the cops like abuse minorities i mean he was like not just a republican he was a really bad Republican and now he's just I don't know his signature legislation. Can you think of any
0: good Republicans except for John McCain. John McCain was a decent dude.
1: Um right now Republicans I mean it's hard to say because the only ones that are taking the spotlight are like Matt Getz and Jim Jordan and like the, the idiots idiots on parade right now like I don't know if there are any moderate Republicans at all. Through
0: all the years of watching Republicans I feel like the only one that I had any respect for was John McCain.
1: Yeah, I mean, people on the left who are like, oh, well, John McCain stood up to Trump and so Trump hated him, so now John McCain's a hero. People are saying, well, John McCain, you know, he did not nah, he stuff won me over when he
0: ran against Obama and that lady stood up in the crowd and was like, he's a Muslim. Yes. He's not from here. And yes. he's like, no, he isn't, ma'am. Yes. And if that's all you have to say, then just sit down. And I was yeah. like,
1: oh. he's, yeah. Yeah, I do, I do think John McCain had a lot more, you know, moral character than, say, like, Lindsey Graham, <laughs> who has zero What's funny is if you go back to when Trump was run, running for office, it was so fun. It's so funny now to go back and listen to what Ted Cruz and Lindsey Graham and all these people said about Trump. They said yeah, they he hated was, him. He's a sociopath. He's he's uh, mentally deranged. Like he, he's a horrible liar. He's corrupt. All these things. And then as soon as Trump became king of the Republican Party, it was like, oh yes, yes, master, we love you. We will always defend you. And it's like, what? the – These people have no moral character whatsoever and i mean i think he even insulted ted cruz's wife like how she looked or something they got back and forth about well my wife looks better than your wife like oh my god and now and uh, but when ted cruz was running joke
0: too when they were doing the republican debates and they were literally having like a dick measurement contest because somebody made a comment about their dick size do you remember that oh i gotta look this up they were literally making a joke
1: it doesn't surprise me about their dick size it doesn't surprise me uh, so that we got the campaign money, and there have been a multitude of laws uh, from way back in 1907. We had the Tillman Act, which was enacted uh, after Theodore Roosevelt won the presidency, and there was some allegation that he had a bunch of corporate money backing him. So Theodore Roosevelt actually was like, "Oh yeah, well, I didn't, but like we should we should make sure there isn't." So they passed the Tillman Act, um, and then in 1947, there was a couple of amendments to the Tillman Act. But basically, there was no agency that was going to enforce any of these laws. So they passed the laws, but like, nobody did anything if someone violated it. And then in 1947, there was a Taft-Hartley Act, which is listed under like campaign finance reform. But if you read about the Taft-Hartley Act, there's one little segment in it which talks about the fact that unions and corporations can't give money directly to politicians. Um, but it's mostly an anti-union bill. It literally destroyed... Unions. That's what the Taft-Hartley Act was about. The Republicans passed passed it to just literally try to obliterate unions and any power they would have. Uh, so it's that's where some. When we get into our labor union uh, show, we'll do that. Uh, and then uh, in one thousand, nine hundred and seventy-one, they passed the Federal Elections Corruption Act, um, which was supposed to. Again, look at campaign contributions. It was it limited the amount of uh, money that you could give, you, what you had to report. There was a lot of stipulations in it. And they also created the uh, Federal Elections Commission, which was the first time that there was ever an actual body to try and police the money that was going into candidates' campaigns to see if it was even legal and then to actually punish the people who broke the law. But before that, pretty much nothing mattered because there was nobody to police it. Incidentally... The Federal Election Commission is made up of six people, three Republicans, three Democrats. They have to be balanced, right? Um, they, so they can't have they, have, they have to have an even number of political, in the political parties. But there were resignations that happened back in like 2015. The, the bottom line is there's three of the six people on the Federal Election Commission right now. And the lady that resigned in 2015 basically, or 2017, Basically went to New York Times and told them that, listen, there is almost no chance that in this up-and-coming election, the next election in 2020, that any finance laws are going to be um, upheld. Because there's no one, there's only three people there. It's it's beyond dysfunctional. The Federal Election Commission is not monitoring the money that's going into political campaigns. They're not. So it's a disaster. We don't have any... Um, security measures enhanced security measures passed since we knew there was tampering with the the 2016 elections because republicans are sitting on it sitting on it so our elections are wide open for complete fraud and abuse um and then in 2002 we have mccain feingold which was campaign finance bipartisan campaign finance rules that went into effect to try to again you know Uh, keep dark money out of politics uh, soft money they call it which is you know not directly given to candidates but things that you do to help the party i mean they wanted everything to be like more transparent but then in 2010 most people know there was citizens united which went to the supreme court because citizens united sued they made a movie about hillary clinton and the the uh they got in trouble for that because they took money directly from corporations and then made this movie, and it specifically mentioned Hillary Clinton. Then they wanted to play it close to the election to kind of basically – it was—it was Sabotage? A, well, it was like a movie, but in a sense it was like an extended political ad. Right. So they got in trouble, and they said, no, you shouldn't be able to – this is free speech. You shouldn't be able to get us in trouble for that. We have a right to spend our money to say she's a terrible candidate if we want to. So, anyways, went to the Supreme Court and they ruled in favor of Citizens United, and corporations basically got all these rights to spend their money however they want. I mean, it's it's kind of out of control on the on the money aspect. Um, but that's kind of always been there. So that's a problem, but I think people are demanding more that the individual candidates they're gonna vote for to know where their money's coming from, at least on the left, and hopefully at some point, people who are voting for these Republicans will realize that. <laughs> if they're taking money from like the pharmaceutical companies like right now there's a bill to reduce the cost of um pharma- pharmaceuticals cuz people are just dying cuz they can't afford their medication republicans won't vote on it and they say it's because there's a better way than what's been proposed and blah blah no it's not it's because you want to support big pharma just right. stop lying like you don't even want to address the issue of pharmaceutical costs because you want them to keep making tons of money and then giving you do- tons of donations so just stop lying.
0: But that's their only, uh, that's their only way out of it, and, and it seems to work for them. And there's people
1: on the left that do it too. How
0: long have they been doing <laughs> that and people just continue to vote for them?
1: Right, I think the American public really needs to put two and two together and realize that you're voting against your own self-interest. And sadly, it comes down to where people like, my friend had to die from cancer when she had insurance. And she still died of cancer from cancer because the medicine was going to cost her $20,000 a month. Was it was an experimental treatment? No, it was actually... Uh, Just not covered? Yeah, I can't remember the name, name of the cancer medication. It was like Tr- Trulia or something. I can't remember the name of it. But anyways, it was for lung cancer. There's commercials on TV for it all the time. But her doctor told her it was going to be $20,000 for a month of treatment. And her insurance company didn't cover it. So the doctor was in the process of trying to get her pharmaceutical company to give her a discount or somehow make it available where she could get it, and she died before she ever got the medicine. So um, until people are personally impacted by the healthcare disaster that is going on in our country right now, they're just going to continue to think, oh, well. Well, you know. that's a
0: big thing on the, the right side that I see a lot too is that people who vote Republican um, that I see personally – don't have any interest in these issues until it happens to them right um you know i know some people that all against the idea of universal health care don't want to pay for that this and that until their insurance started going up and up and up and then decided it wasn't going to cover a large majority of the medications that their family took right and then suddenly you know they have an interest in this debate and i'm like that's the thing i think that gets me the most Mm -hmm. it's not that if you have a different opinion, I, I guess I can I just have to accept that, and I, mm-hmm. I can still respect you as a person, to an extent. Um, but when you're so willing to flip flop, the second that something affects you, but not for anyone else, that tells me something about your character.
1: Well, what it should t- it's not shouldn't tell you about their character. What it, it does t- if
0: you only care about yourself, and well. not your neighbor next door. And you, you flip-flop that easy when it starts to affect you, but you didn't give two shits about the guy that lived next door. Well, That tells me something about listen, you as a
1: person. But listen, here's what I always say, and I write a lot about propaganda at Op-Ed um, because I feel like propaganda is so invasive, such an invasive part of our culture. The messaging is everywhere. And, you know, people who have insurance, who've had insurance through their job for years, believe the propaganda that's put out by the right that, the people that are have no insurance are just bums they don't want to work they don't want to hold down a job where they actually work full-time so they can get benefits like the right puts out so much propaganda and the people on the right that vote for them are like yeah you're right these people are just lazy welfare people like that's the whole thing they until like you said it affects them and i always say there's this point where propaganda runs smack head on head to you know, head on into your real experience, and then you have a choice. You can. Well, look then at, you can't
0: deny it anymore. Yeah, I guess I can see that.
1: So I don't think it's necessarily like whenever I talk to people. If you talk to people, try to not talk in a sense about politics, because then it's just the arguments. It's that's already settled because you're one of those lefties and they're on the right. But when you get to an issue like healthcare, and you talk to people and you share your experience of, listen, I had a friend who died who had insurance. Like, when you share those real experiences with people and say, what was she supposed to do?
0: Well, the thing that I hear from everyone is, well, then you should just get a better job with better insurance. And that's always the argument. Um, To blame the victim. Which is, yeah, which is obviously nonsense for a lot of reasons I could go on about forever. But... I don't know. I guess my hope is that uh, the worse and worse it gets for everybody else, it's going to get worse for them, too. And they can't live in denial forever.
1: Right. And insurance companies are great propagandists, too. Because when I went to an insurance company meeting, they were talking about their insurance. And uh, I asked them if it covered cancer. And the uh, guy told me it did. And then I Googled on my phone and found out that that insurance company had been sued for $25 million by the husband of a woman who died because they refused to provide her cancer treatment. And even though her doctor said this is the only treatment that's going to save her life, the insurance company was like, well, we don't. our doctors say she doesn't need that treatment. There should be other treatments that will work. And this debate between the woman's doctor and the insurance company went on until she died. So her husband had to sue them for damages, and he won $25 million, but that doesn't bring his wife back. Right, exactly. So it's the... It's the propaganda, and people like me and you need to talk to our neighbors and people around us and say, like, don't you know anybody that that's honestly works hard but doesn't can't pay for their medicine? Like, they have insurance, but their co-pays are too high. Like, I just feel like it's going to come to a point where, you know, they keep demonizing socialized medicine, which nobody in this country is proposing socialized medicine. What we're proposing is that the government, it's government-funded private health care, it's still going to be the same private health care system. Right.
0: I mean, just like in, you know, the UK, they have, what is it, the NHS? Yeah, but that is actually socialized medicine. But they also still have the option to buy private insurance. So I don't know why when people bring up the idea here that, well, there will be a government option here, but then you can also still have your private insurance. Well, I don't know why that is, is you know, so controversial. I
1: asked one of my friends about that, and the reason is because The private insurance companies, the only way that the nationalized, well, uh, the, uh, the only way that Medicare for All works is that all the people who are currently paying, like I was paying $800 for my private insurance, I would be paying something to the government for my insurance.
0: Oh, right. I mean, everybody has to still pay. But that doesn't mean you can't have secondary private insurance if you're so worried about it. So,
1: and and they they develop these junk plans that don't really cover anything to convince people to stay on private insurance. And then people say, well, I want to stay on my private insurance instead of, you know, the Medicare for all system. But then when something happens and their insurance company doesn't cover it, what's going to happen? They're going to go to the emergency room. Right. And you're going to end up having to pay for that person who's paid nothing into it. So... It almost has to be Medicare. It has to be like one system. Well, that's what
0: I'm saying. I mean, I think the bigger issue is that people, they it's all about the redistribution of the money that we already pay in. And I'm not saying people aren't going to have to end up paying more um, if we went to a universal health care system, but... They'd also have to look at it in a sense where well, I might be paying more this way, but I'm also not paying these deductibles and copays right. and all and that. And that's what
1: they really need to focus but
0: on. Exactly. And I don't know why that isn't the bigger push, but I, I just, I'm so sick of the argument of like, well, I don't want to pay for that. Well, well, guess what? I don't I don't want to pay taxes that go to fund wars or go to fund roads I'm never going to drive on. Or You know what I mean? Right. like you can't just pay for what you use that's literally not how our system works i I pay for public school tax in the state and and federally and it's like my money goes to help schools and shit but i don't have kids right i don't use those systems right but it's just that's just how it is get over it right yeah Um, i mean like i said i don't think it's not like they're trying to say oh you can't have private insurance i mean if you have to pay into it and you have to have this government insurance but you think it's not good enough then there's nothing stopping your company from giving you private insurance still
1: Mm -hmm. there's nothing stopping it right Okay, so the other thing, the next thing on our list is uh, revolving doors between corporate America and government. So you get these people that that get elected into office, and they're in office for a few years. Now, they pass legislation that's very favorable to a particular industry, and then they retire from politics, and they go work for that industry, or vice versa. Somebody is uh, working in an industry... For so many years, and then President Trump becomes president, and he gets to appoint people to these uh, department heads, of, like Department of Energy, and which know, was who? <clears throat> originally, it was I think Rex, Rex Tillerson. Tillerson, who was the head, who on the-
0: Yes, yeah. So I mean, I don't know how everyone can't <laughs> see that that's a conflict of interest. I literally argue this with people all the time. Right. And I'm like, how do you think that this is not right a conflict? You think right. you know what I mean? I, I just. No, nah, I can't. I so, just can't. And it so happens
1: all the time. Like when like you watch the documentary about the the war in Iraq and Cheney and Halliburton and you know all that corruption that went on there which people are apparently Republicans are still in denial about. And Halliburton got the contracts without having to bid on them. I mean, it was a total it was a total sham. So, uh, and then we got move on to voter suppression. And uh, in the process of my research, I found this really good quote that a guy said. Let's see here. Uh, well, basically what he said was that, you know, a government without women is obviously going to be a government that creates laws that are unfair to women, right? Because, right. But, okay. And if you have a government without minorities, you're obviously going to have laws that are going to be against, like, biased against minorities. So if you get a government that doesn't include working class people, <laughs> doesn't include ex-bartenders like Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez, doesn't include anyone who's ever had a real job, just been in politics their whole life, what's that system going to be? Biased against the working class. So there you go. That's what we have. They And they always look for ways to suppress the vote. The voter ID card is a big one because they found out that a lot of people, um, who, uh, a lot of people have ethnic names, their driver's license they get misspelled, or if they have a hyphen in their name. So when the, the little secret, the dirty little secret about the voter ID cards is, if you go to vote, and your ID, your name is in any way different from what's on the voter rolls, they don't have to let you vote. So it does uh, disproportionately affect minorities. Okay, so that's one thing. The other thing is the, a felon disenfranchisement. So if you're a felon, even if it's for having a small bag of marijuana— Which is
0: unconstitutional to begin with. You can't ask those people to go back to work in this, in society and pay taxes and have zero representation. Because it is. if they and can't vote actually, for people, then—I mean, right. it's, it's just unconstitutional. And there
1: are laws that are right now that they're trying to, to overturn that because— it's a very it's have a, they is. paid their
0: debt or haven't they right because if they haven't then they should still be in prison
1: right and here but here's a here's another thing about the prisons that i found just absolutely crazy if you have a prison in your district you know you know how the the senate is you get two two senators for every state right right so the house of representatives is based on how many people live in your area so if your state has x number of people then you get you know, so they so count they, the
0: prison population as their people they count
1: the prison population even though they have no rights to vote yep so that there doesn't was shock
0: a, me at all i've never heard that i didn't know that but that doesn't shock me at all
1: yeah i mean it's so crazy that it works like that um i was trying to find there was a story i found oh, where a guy okay this was um, in Anamosa, iowa a man was elected with two votes the district he lived in held a prison, and the people there couldn't vote, but it made the district eligible for a representative. It was a super small town, but there was a prison there. So they had enough people. They had like 5,500 people in their town, um, and that gave them about 1,374 people per district that would have a representative. Now, this is like at the state level. Um, so, anyways, the guy's wife and his neighbor like wrote his name in there was nobody running for the office like nobody even put in for a ballot <laughs> but um so his wife and his neighbor voted for him his name was Danny Young if you want to look it up and uh the mayor calls him and he's like hey well will you consider you know accepting the position because you like there was only three votes and the pr- a third person was somebody that wasn't in the district so you're the only person with two votes will you accept it <laughs> what a joke <laughs> and it's because there was a prison in the district so all those people got counted as being represented by this guy but he wasn't really representing them because they have no vote what it, was the position um it was i think it was like county commissioner or something it was a small mm, small uh, city councilman in the second district of Anamosa, iowa wow so yeah that was hilarious um what about the have you seen the one where the the town elected a dog to be their mayor (laughs) i'm like this is the most honest politician i've ever seen in my life that shit cracked me up and probably the only person who would usurp trump with like rudeness by like (laughs) licking himself like right while you know oh that's what i was gonna
0: say i brought it up earlier and i wanted to read it to you to show you i'm not actually crazy um it was the 2016 republican debates and um it was over the whole Donald Trump was calling Marco Rubio, little Marco. And so (laughs) little Marco was like, you know what they say about people with small Small hands? (laughs) You can't trust them. That's what he said. So then when they get up there, um, (laughs) Donald Trump held up his hands and he said, um, if they're small, something else must be small. And I guarantee you, there's no problem. I guarantee that's what he said. Um, so he was literally like referring to his penis size. Um, (laughs) but this this article just cracks me up actually well, somebody th- that hit- one was from cnn but the one the guardian wrote was super funny because it starts out it says uh imagine if it's possible that you are a serious american conservative <laughs> it's like
1: okay <laughs> dick <laughs> like it's funny but oh my god yeah and um Said that, so I would like to take that back. He's really not
0: that much of a lightweight. <laughs> He's really not that much of a lightweight, anyway. That, yeah, it goes on him and uh, little Ruby, a little Marco. we are also them. super chum now, super chums, super <laughs> yeah. chums, yeah. So, anyway, yeah, not crazy that did happen, but it's embarrassing,
1: isn't it? <laughs> yes. It's really embarrassing, yes, it really is.
0: I wish that they would have had a cameraman like on um, Melania when he said that just to see if she's like rolling her
1: eyes or something. Well, like <laughs> somebody put on Twitter about, um, okay, it was, you know, because the FBI agent that uh, Trump was saying, the two, the two FBI agents who had an affair, Stork and Page, mm-hmm. and they had the text messages that came out that they were talking about Trump and how they hated Trump, which I don't know why that's a shocker. If you go to any profession, you're going to find at least half of the people in that profession hate Trump. But anyway, the text messages came out, and the fact that the two of them had an affair came out. So Trump at one of his rallies thought it would be appropriate to simulate the two of them being together and he's like oh oh Lisa Lisa oh, nuh-uh. right and he was nuh-uh. fake yes oh and, my god and so she came out on the news and said you know what this was just a line too far you know i have to take my power back now because you know he's really just literally faking an orgasm you know pretending to be me and it's disgusting and you know what i put on twitter was that you know after being with Melania all those years, he's obviously seen someone fake an orgasm multiple times, and he's still not very good at it. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> I mean, come on. She, uh, th- she looks like she doesn't even want him to, like, be in her, like, orbit. <laughs> it's pretty bad. But... I can't blame her, but okay. So the real thing that we wanted to get into was gerrymandering because next year is the federal census. And every 10 years, there's a federal census. And what happens is the state legislatures get to redraw the congressional districts. And this, since, since 2000, has been the main focus of Republican battle strategy, is to gerrymander these districts. And both sides do it, okay? But starting in 2000, the Republicans really... Said to themselves, and Karl Rove was part of it, and uh, you know, a couple big name conservatives said, you know, what we need to do is we need to isolate these areas where we can really take back the state legislatures, and then have them redraw the lines, so that no matter how many people vote, the Democratic votes won't matter. They literally just cheat the system, and one strategist who worked for the Republican Party, <laughs> the documentary I watched said. Well, what's really great about redistricting is, most of the time voters pick their representatives, but in redistricting, the politicians get to pick their voters. So it's like democracy in reverse. Democracy in reverse. And he thought this was the greatest effing thing ever that politicians could cheat. Okay, and the two methods that they use when they cheat like this, they will do what's called packing. So if you have, and they do it a lot of time along racial lines because black voters tend to vote Democratic. Um, so they'll take a, a, all of the, the minority vote in a given area and they'll they'll group all that into one district and they'll they call that a sacrifice district. So that district will get one representative for all of those Democrats so that all the other representatives can be Republican and basically outweigh that one person's vote in the House. Another thing they'll do is that they'll take like say there's a really heavily democratic city, which urban cities, if you look at a map, it's crazy how like, you know, Philadelphia and uh Houston and all the major urban capitals are all heavy Democrat, but you get out into the rural areas and it's like all Republican. So I was gonna make a banjo sound, but I won't <laughs> <laughs> so what they do is they'll take like that heavily Democratic area and they'll slice it into like six little triangles, and they give each rep- heavily Republican rural area a little slice of that Democratic pie to dilute the Democratic vote. So they've been doing this now for two federal censuses, and um, they've been highly successful. So you have some states where if you took the actual number of voters and you broke it down to Democrats and Republicans, you would have a 50-50, 50% 50 Democrat, 50% Republican. When you look at their House of Representatives, they'll have like 10 Republicans and three Democrats. That's crazy. Now, what else is crazy is the fact that Democrats still control the House right now in spite of that. Yeah in spite of that
0: yeah i honestly truly believe that as time goes on and progressives as much as i i don't know i feel like i know a lot of people who label themselves as democrats but they are more progressives because they will call, call out they're not democratic loyals loyalists you know what i mean i feel like as uh things progress and more people learn about things like this that it's it's inevitable mm-hmm. and i i just think that it's going to dwindle These people's power is going to dwindle because the more and more people become aware. I mean, I think that I can remember when YouTube became a thing, right? Mm -hmm. I remember like 2004 or something when Mm -hmm. YouTube came online and it was like crazy. Just anybody in the world could upload a video. We could all watch it. Like it's just exploded. And the use of the Internet and the kind of information that's spread around as much fake shit as there is out there. You know, even in schools, they educate you. Like, listen, you can only trust you can only really trust websites that end in like .org or .edu or .gov. Like, they're teaching that to people. You can't. You can try to hinder it, but it's just like as time goes on, people learn. You can't. You can't prevent it forever. Right. And I feel like a society as a whole just becomes better educated that this shit just is not going to be able to go on anymore.
1: Right. And the and the best thing about it is when you find some really valid bullshit that somebody did. They're outed. It's over. And the reason why the progressive left is so much on the rise is because people in the Democratic Party used to think that the Democrats were, quote, the good people that didn't cheat and didn't lie and didn't suppress the vote. They were always trying to get the minority vote out. Okay, so people in the Democratic Party thought, we're the good guys, and the Republicans are the bad guys. But what progressives have found out is that, The Democratic establishment is horribly ruthless. It's like an episode of Scooby Doo. It is, and
0: everybody, the gang runs up and they're like, "Oh, who's behind this mess?" They cut all the food stamps and welfare, and they rip it off, and it's like a Republican. And they come over and they're like, "No, look, there's a sidekick," and they run over and they rip it off, and they're like, "Hillary Clinton, like, what?" Like, that's it's literally like that's what I think of in my head.
1: And we would have got away with it if it wasn't for you. Pesky progressive. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like we should make that episode, Duke. We should make that. So here's a great story for you. This was in 2000 in the 2000 New York State Assembly District 57. assemblyman Roger Green, uh, who was the establishment Democrat, well known, had been in the post for a long time, been in the position for a long time, was challenged by a newcomer by the name of Hakeem Jeffries. Hakeem Jeffries was like Alexander Ocasio-Cortez. No money, no name recognition, nada. He goes canvassing door to door, knocking on people's doors, introducing himself, saying, you know, nothing against uh, Roger Green, but, you know, I want a chance to represent you. I feel like he's been there a long time, and this isn't a birthright. Like, he has to earn your vote, and I don't feel like he's really done as much as what I would do. So... In spite of the fact that Roger Green was hugely well known and had a lot of money behind him, Hakeem Jeffries got 41% of the vote. Now he didn't win, but Roger Green was like, shit, shit, I got competition, right? Now these are both Democrats, both black men, okay? So Hakeem Jeffries was like, yeah, well, everybody, I appreciate your support, maybe I'll run again, whatever. So the next time he's gonna run is 2002, right? Well, what Hakeem Jeffries didn't realize was, in 2001, they redistricted. They redistricted New York because of the census. I don't know if that's the right way to say it, redistrict. They had a redistricting or whatever. So here is a picture, and I wish that we had had a way for me to show you this. But basically what they did was um, they took the district and they drew a line around Hakeem Jeffries' house. So, they kicked him out of the district that he was trying to represent. Out of fear that he would win. So, he goes to register in 2002 to say, I want to try to challenge Roger Greener. Like, we're sorry. You don't live in the district. He's like, I didn't move. No, we moved the district around your fucking house.
0: What if What if he just moved, though? Like, to the house well, next he did.
1: door? <laughs> just like, I think he did. Moved move back into the district. Like, what now? <laughs> I mean, but that is pathetic. Yep. That is ruthless. Okay? And he wasn't the only one that happened to. There was a woman, too, um, that that it happened to. So that was in 2000. And then also in California, um, there was Proposition 11, which was backed by Arnold Schwarzenegger. (coughs) And um, so Kathy found the Arnold. The Arnold. Um, And what Proposition 11 was, was a challenge by the citizens that they should have citizens be a part of the process of redistricting. Which they should. Right. That's absolutely a brilliant idea. And the movement... You said the Arnold brought that up? No, actually a lady by the name of Kathy Fang, F-E-N-G, says an assemblyman called her during the redistricting in San Francisco. Now, San Francisco, the liberals, the liberals, right? And she said to Kathy Fang... Now, she didn't name this person, this assemblyman. She didn't give their name. But they said to her, you're not going to put another effing Asian in my district. (laughs) Oh, yes. Oh, yes. And the reason is because this assemblywoman had been in her seat for a long time. And there was a very large Asian population that surrounded her district. So... You know, they wanted some representation. Somebody that would speak for the Asian population. Right. You know what I'm saying? What is this, 1830? What the hell? So, anyway, Kathy Fang started this group, and they... They said, listen, the citizens need to be involved in this redistricting because what you've done to the people up here, the way you've chopped the Asian community into five segments to basically take away our right to vote is against the Constitution. You're depriving us of our constitutional rights, you know. So, um, and like I said, it was backed by, by Governor Arnold Schwarzenegger who said that he lived in a country, he was born in a country that was surrounded by countries that were not democracies. Yeah. So he supported this. That's the this. Arnold
0: he supported this full heart. I'm so proud. Wholeheartedly. So anyways, um, Arnold Schwarzenegger is like um, our mascot, <laughs> the supreme. Supremus. Yes. That's why I got, to, I got to
1: do the voice. But the state legislature promised Kathy that they would work on some issues, that they would mm. hear. So they mm-hmm. had all these public hearings, and all the people came and said, listen, this is wrong what you've done to us. We want this addressed. They did nothing in 2005, 2006, 2007. Brushed them aside. So finally, they were like, This isn't going to work. We have to just put this on a referendum on the ballot, which they did, and they did successfully pass it. So that group is called Common Cause. And um, as a result of the redistricting in 2010, which was the most recent one, this was way back, this started way back in 2000, but continued on until 2010. And um, there are now, let me see here, how many states? that are being sued because it was found out that, um, and this is for the Brennan Center for Justice, there are um, 10 different states that are being sued. And there's Virginia, South Carolina, North Carolina was an absolute disaster. Um, North Carolina was redistrict was designed by um, a, a man who passed away and I'll find his name here. But his daughter <clears throat> found the maps that he was using to design the redistricting to favor the Republicans. And it was he had notes written on the maps. And it was racist. It was completely 100%. Let's just break up the blacks so they don't have any vote. And his daughter, having found these maps after his death, took them and went public with them and said this is what they're trying to do, and this is racist shit. Hell yeah. His name was Thomas Hoffler, Republican strategist who masterminded the Republican gerrymandering effort. He engineered the plan that rather than letting voters pick their politicians, politicians could pick the voters. That's the guy that said that redistricting is democracy in reverse. Um, How do you, like, proclaim that?
0: And you're like, yeah, this is definitely what it is—democracy in reverse—and then still stand behind it. Like, wow, didn't even, they're not well, even trying to hide their evil. Like, I'm, I'm just waiting for these people to get on stage and like start rubbing their hands together and like, <laughs> like
1: laughing all evil or something. Like, they're not even hiding it anymore. Right. And Pennsylvania, well, what it is is like, once you get established in a position where you feel like you can't be touched, uh, you get real ballsy. So Trump and a lot of the Republicans that are in these protected areas, this is why they can be such blatant assholes now because they feel like they they have tenure and they can't be touched because they've got the system completely rigged from the the money they take to the redistricting that they do. They they have cheating down to a science. And like I said, there are people on the, the Democratic establishment side that use this against progressives, but the Republicans have reached a whole new level with it. So that's why I wanted to talk about this tonight, because next year, the federal census is going to come up. And if you remember, Trump made a big issue about putting a question on the federal census about citizenship. That was brought up like a year and a half ago. They were trying to put a question on the ballot to, or on the on the um, census to ask people if they were citizens or not. Now, you can be in the country legally and not be a citizen. Right. OK. But... Given the fact that Trump has passed not only laws to um, restrict immigration, illegal immigration, he's also passed laws that restrict legal immigration. Right. So basically that question being on the ballot was an attempt to intimidate people because if there's less, most of those people live in probably in sanctuary cities or they live in places where it's more liberal. Right? Right. So what they're trying to do is they're trying to reduce the numbers of people by scaring them from reporting on the census. Right. Okay. I get where you're going with this. Yeah. If you get like a million people to not put their name on the census because they're scared to say, I know I'm not a citizen and have an investigation ensue on them, then, you know, that's less representation. That's less members in the House for that liberal district. So they they have strategized all this. And then with the computer software that's out there now— what they, their main tactic of just looking at racial demographics, what they can do now is use computer algorithms to see if you and I, even though we're white, they'll look at our Facebook, Twitter, look at all that data that they get from Google and whoever else has given our information out to see where we fall on the political spectrum. So if they find a hotbed of progressivism, they're going to try to break that area up, too, in redistricting. So they have all of this information. They have computers to help them now. This war that we're going to face next year for redistricting is going to be out of control. When do they do that? (coughs) The beginning of the year? The end of the year? They do the census every 10 years. So the census will happen in 2020. So in 2021 is when they'll probably you know, get the ball rolling on redist they probably already got plans. They're probably already collecting the data so right now. So next year, they just collect all the information. Next year is when they'll get the official census of how many people, how many uh, representatives are going to be in each, in the House of Representatives. Okay. And so, then 2021, they redraw the lines. Yeah. I mean, but they'll they'll start redrawing them as soon as they get the numbers. Okay. And I mean, like I said, it's... Is there it, any way we can <clears throat> follow this process or is it all secret? Secret Squirrel. Oh uh, no, there's um like I said the Brennan the Brennan Center for Justice has a lot of information about redi- redistricting and um if you if you just go on the Google and search redistricting there's lots of places that are tracking it uh, progressive places because like I said it really is a complete war on democracy there by by breaking people's votes up the way they are they are. They make they might make you and I vote worth one tenth of what our vote is. Well, actually. I already know
0: it is right now. I mean, we live in West Virginia, so right any kind of vote besides a local one is just right you know, garbage. Doesn't I don't mean know, anything. but
1: I will say that Bernie did win all fifty five counties in the primary of, of twenty sixteen. Yeah, I'm not I'm not shocked by that. But so, the presidential <clears> elections, <throat>
0: but I I feel like that's because West Virginia is so red that. I, I don't even think that people went bothered going out and voting in the primaries because they're just like, it doesn't, we don't care. We don't care who gets in there. We're just going to vote red for president when, mm-hmm. when
1: they do get in there. So I don't know. I just. Yeah. It's surprising, though, that the Democrats that are in West Virginia are much more progressive Democrats, though. That's, that's I, no, that doesn't me. shock me
0: at all. I feel like whenever you put. An extreme in front of somebody, they're either extreme or they're extreme against it. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, I feel like it makes sense that people in West Virginia were not going to vote for Hillary Clinton, especially since so many of the progressives here are like, you know, when she said she, when she came here and said she was going to kill coal mines,
1: mm-hmm. like that
0: is not the kind of thing that you say even to a progressive in West Virginia because everybody knows somebody who works on a coal mine. And it's like, while we understand that that industry is dying, yeah. you don't just come here and say, we're immediately going to put you yeah. all out of business. Her
1: arrogance That's was not a plan. Yeah,
0: people in West Virginia do not. We do not connect with elitism. No. Okay? We just don't. No. Other than people who maybe in Charleston or mm-hmm. Morgantown.
1: Right. That are well, like that's more why I think big people, city populous
0: areas, but literally everybody else in West Virginia,
1: you know what I mean? We're not going to connect with that. Right. And that's why I think that the political strategists really had it wrong on Bernie because they said, well, there's no way that if we, kick Ber- if we get rid of Bernie, all the votes are going to Hillary. And a lot of people went from Bernie to Trump. And I know. They weird never enough, would have understood that if you live in West Virginia and you talk to a lot of people, what do they care about? Unions, workers' rights, right? You know, the, all the stuff that Bernie talks about—having health care when you need it—like those are issues that resonate with poor folks in West Virginia. Hillary had nothing for people in West Virginia. And Trump presented himself as, I'm the version of Bernie, but Republican.
0: Right. Yeah, I'm going to exactly. help
1: you. I'm going to put you back to by, work. By not really
0: saying anything either, mm-hmm. though. Like we, He didn't really bring up anything about health care. He's just like, oh, we're just going to get rid of Obamacare and give you something better. And it's like, <laughs> well, yeah, people in West Virginia on Obamacare probably are not Wait, happy with it. did he
1: start a program and I didn't hear about it?
0: No. He never <laughs> did. Never did. Thank God it's almost over because... I knew he wasn't going to repeal it, though. When they were first talking about it in the very beginning, I was worried. Because I'm like, this is going to devastate our state. Mm -hmm. So many people here are on government health insurance. It's going to just absolutely devastate us. But then as time went on, I was like, oh, right. They're fucking Republicans. So Mm -hmm. they just run their mouths. They're not actually going to do anything, which they didn't. So, yeah. um, I don't know. I just don't think... uh, I don't know. I, as much as people like to think as West Virginia as being like a dumb state, and I'm not. We are one of many very undereducated states. It's not like everyone here is like that. You know, a right. lot of people see the see the corruption and want to change it, which is why everybody always says, "I'm like God. I, I hate this red state." And they're like, "Oh, then why don't you just leave?" And I'm like, "Because I'm the type of person that has hope that one day I can flip West Virginia, and make it blue, and it won't be a shit hole. Mm-hmm
1: one day right. hopefully yeah. that
0: makes me mad in people's head too like why don't you just i'm move not gonna DNR leave like
1: i mean did did the people that were well i might against- have to leave because <laughs> right now
0: and because west virginia has been you know overcome by so much corrupt bullshit on both sides i don't know that there's going to be anything left of our state if the shit continues
1: yeah i like that G- that jim justice came to wheeling yesterday and was like he rolled in you mean <laughs> He comes here, and it's like he's going to have a town hall to talk about all the things that he's going to do. Like, how long has Jim Justice been in there? Has, I mean, between him and Trump, more coal mines have closed than Hillary wanted to close. So they're, they're fulfilling Hillary's uh, campaign promises. Well, and that's the
0: thing that killed me, too, is all these people that back Trump. And, you know, Trump had a lot of—he came here several times. And he, the last time he came here, uh, a couple months ago, and did that private fundraiser with Murray Energy. Fucking Bob Murray. I don't, know how, I don't even know how Bob Murray still lives in West Virginia. And people <laughs> see him and don't just knock his fucking teeth down his throat. I don't know how that happens. Because, like, regardless of what side of the party line you're on, you know somebody who works in a coal mine that got closed or got hurt.
1: Or left because they couldn't deal with him anymore.
0: Right, exactly. Everybody's been fucked over by that dude. I don't, I don't know how he can show his face. But anyway, so he has this, Murray has this private fundraiser in Wheeling. The Trump comes to, and they raise all this money for campaigning or whatever, and it's like, then he announces bankruptcy,
1: right?
0: And all these people, like, I just, I don't know. Let's we'll see just, what it was. I don't it's know, know the why money. they don't connect the two because you get on the local news comments. They're my favorite. That's my fucking favorite place. I know so many people. Like, I run into people drunk at cheats, and they're like, <laughs> "Hey, yeah, Juke, you're that, you're that chick from the, the news comments." <laughs> I'm like, "Yeah, I am," because I'm literally always on there, just like pissed off and just tearing oh. people up. I'm like. I don't know. I really try not to be that guy that gets pissed off, and I'm just like, "You're a fucking moron." But sometimes I definitely do. I'm like working on it, but I'm like, "No, like, how do you guys not see this? That they're closing these mines, they're filing bankruptcy or whatever, and like Trump just had a campaigning event for them. How do you not see that they're buddies? Like buddy, buddy, they're helping each other out. They're not through interest.
1: Murray, the money that Murray gave to Trump was like for a Trump University class. And Trump told him, We'll do what I do, file bankruptcy. (laughs) It
0: it just kills me because I'm like, How do you not see two and two? And they're just like, No, Trump would never. And I'm like, God, you're so fucking stupid. (laughs) It's right in fucking front of you. Like, oh, like this isn't miles away. This happened in our city. Why can't you
1: move? Now, listen, Juke, they spend a lot of money to convince people (sighs) to vote against their own self interest. And that's what it's all about, it's convincing people to put their own lives aside. And believe in some fantasy instead that they're being told. That this is uh, Here's working. another
0: thing too: is that people always call me like a liberal or whatever, and then they're like, "Oh, well, you're not very tolerant or accepting." No, I'm not. That's why I'm not a liberal. I'm not. I'm I'm not very tolerant or accepting. I have no tolerance for ignorance at all, and I just I can't fucking deal with it, dude. Well, just try to remember that. And um, I'm I am a harsh person too because whenever I'm talking to my friends and they're like, "Oh my god, you see what this guy said?" and blah 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 you know, people who are just openly racist or whatever and back Trump, you see a lot of it. There's a lot of extremism in our area just because people are uneducated and they get behind an idea and people are pissed off because we're poor and we have nothing. Like, it just fuels a whole lot of really tense emotions for people to amplify through politics. And um, so this old man posted something and somebody showed it to me, just this really ignorant shit. And I was like, with them and I'm like, you know what, this isn't even worth your time or energy because we're in West Virginia where we have a high obesity rate. And a high cancer death rate, a high smoking rate, and all of those things. Um, we have a big elderly population, and chances are this guy's old, fat, and a smoker, so he'll be de- dead soon. You know what I mean? It's not even not even worth being mad about. Like, and it sounds so cruel, but I'm just like honestly, that's where I am at this point. You just want all the boomers to die. This is just, I'm just no, not even all the boomers. You know what? The boomers <laughs> that I associate with are actually yeah, there's some cool boomers. decent people.
1: There's some cool boomers.
0: It's funny enough, I feel like most, the most people that I know in that demographic who are just like super Republican, but don't have a ton of information to like explain why they are or back up why they are, are people from your generation.
1: And they're not even boomers. That's really, that really makes me sad because we have had the opportunity to expand our minds through the internet. And I don't understand, like, what are you looking at? What are you doing? Like, it's just all propaganda. I mean, look at some real information. And that's why I was trying to tell people, like, don't listen to the news. Don't look. I mean, if you do hear something on the news, by all means, just go to the original source of the information. Try to find where the news got that information from because half the time the news just lies. Well,
0: yeah, and not only that, but people are so, they think point A leads to point B. So, you know, I, I know my father-in-law specifically who isn't into politics and will straight up admit that he has no interest in politics he's just not educated enough on about it and he just stays out of it or whatever was a big trump supporter said he was going to vote for trump because trump was a big you know oh we're going to get the steel mill workers back to work american steel blah 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 blah. he works in the steel industry Mm -hmm. he's like i'm voting for my own interests you know what i mean i need to keep my job (laughs) and i'm like okay i get that valid point you just straight up admitted to me you don't know a lot about foreign policy or this and that you don't care you're just voting because you need your job But again, he voted for Trump thinking, I need to go back to work in the steel mill. A lot of steel mills around here have closed. Oh, great. They fire up a steel mill up in Weirton. He gets hired. My boyfriend gets hired. Everything's, but now they're both laid off and have been laid off for four months. And Mm -hmm. it's like, I wish that they could see when they cast their vote to things like that, that it does matter more than just your job because look, even though it's not necessarily Trump's fault that they're laid off right now, mm-hmm. it just has to do with
1: slow ordering in the company, voting for him didn't make you not get laid off. Right. But his steel terror, you know his tariff war with all these other countries is, it does affect whether people are working or not. I mean, the farmers are drastically impacted by it. I mean, his it
0: does, but I guess my point is, is when they think that just because they voted for Trump that they weren't going to face this right. inevitable layoff. Right, it's not layoff.
1: a one-to-one correlation. I mean, just like right. I said about Bernie, people said, "Oh, Bernie, you know, the things that they're afraid of, like the Bernie's going to take your guns," which you know, I don't really believe that, but whoever I comes to the Bernie's president on the he... left is not immediately day one going to sign some executive order and say guns are illegal because it's just not going to happen well first
0: of all yes you're right and secondly i don't know where bernie has ever said that he wants to take everyone's guns of all kinds of, i mean as far as i have followed bernie he's always been a supporter of common sense gun laws right and background checks and right. you know universal background checks and all that but i he never pulled a beto as far as i'm aware
1: I think, he's, I think he does want to stop the sale of assault weapons, but I don't really follow it that closely because the two things that the president is not going to change, the president is not going to change whether you can own a firearm or not, and the president is not going to change abortion laws.
0: Right. Those are the two hot bucket topics everybody and the, sticks if on. If you want
1: to vote for somebody at your state legislature that's going to pass a law in your state that's going to affect like, what term a person can be, you know, pregnant and get an abortion, if you want to pass, if you want to vote for somebody at the state level and then challenge those laws to the Supreme Court or whatever, that's fine. But the president, the only thing the president can really do to affect gun laws and abortion laws is appoint people to the Supreme Court. So when the cases actually make it to the Supreme Court, there's a better chance that your side, that it's going to be more conservative than Democrat, you know, more conservative than liberal, and that they're going to pass the laws the way that you want.
0: So he does want to get rid of um, assault weapons.
1: Like AR-15s. Right. Which wasn't really a thing for him before. Right, yeah, that's
0: what I mean. I feel like in the 2016, I did hear about the gun safety, and these key points were still he wanted to take on the NRA and all their money in Washington, expand background checks, end the gun show loopholes. Um, The... Prohibition of high-capacity magazines. Um, All of that, I feel like, were definitely on the 2016 campaign trail. Mm -hmm. But then this added uh, the buyback program and the ban of assault weapons. Mm -hmm. I don't know that he ran that in 2016. I don't remember that.
1: No, 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 no. He did. I don't think he did. In fact, Bernie, when he was uh, as a senator of Vermont, passed a law saying that you can't sue a gun manufacturer for uh, a shooting. Oh, yeah,
0: remember when Sandy Hook happened and they asked Bernie about it? And he was like, no, why would, you know, no, you can't hold the gun manufacturer. It did it did what it was supposed to do, basically, and yeah, oh, my God, liberals had his head for that.
1: Yeah, I mean, because basically he's just saying, like, a firearm is designed to fire a projectile and it, it functioned the way it was designed to, so... You can't sue the manufacturer. It wasn't a defect on the manufacturer's part. Right, exactly. If anybody, so, you think you would sue the federal government
0: for not protecting you
1: Right. for I mean, some kind
0: of regulation. Like, that would make more sense than, than suing the company who made it.
1: Yeah. I mean, it's just a way to try to bankrupt the industry to m- get more restrictions and concessions. But, um, So that's about it. I really just wanted people to be aware of the redistricting thing that's coming up next year. I think this... This, this set of elections that's coming up in 2020 could possibly be, in my mind, it's the most important elections we've ever faced because of the fact that the Republicans already have such a foothold with the redistricting, with the – they're taking the corporate money, dirty money. Uh, the FEC only has three people sitting on the Federal Election Commission board, so no laws are getting enforced. Like – Our elections this next time are precarious, and there's a chance for things to go drastically, drastically bad. So I hope everybody is paying attention. And if there's a common cause, uh, you can go on the Common Cause website and try to follow. The state of Pennsylvania has been sued, and North Carolina has been sued, taken to court by Common Cause over the redistricting. And the Supreme Court, uh, well, the federal court in Pennsylvania told (coughs) their legislature, these districts are unconstitutional. Redraw your maps and send them back to the GOP. They've done that twice, and they still don't have their maps together. So uh, in other states, I believe that the court like actually redrew the maps, and that was an issue because they're like, oh, no, the court, it's not their job to draw the maps. But it's like this is how bad it's gotten, that the courts are saying you are depriving people of their right to vote by the way that you're redistricting, and we're not going to allow it. The Supreme Court has kicked it back to the state saying it's really not the Supreme Court's job to get involved in redistricting, but all the federal cases that I've heard of ruled in favor of the citizens. So let's hope that holds, but keep an eye on it. All right. Well, that's all we have
0: for today. I feel like I am brain dead. My brain is frozen. <laughs> it's been frozen for days. Uh, um, but yeah. I remember when I learned about all that stuff and just being completely outraged. It's it's almost like, um, I don't know, when you're a teenager and you start learning about all the corrupt things that go on around you, it's like, what? <laughs> Why isn't anyone doing anything about this? And then you get all pumped because you're like, I'm going to change everything. And then you realize that, like...
1: <laughs> yeah, I mean, just... but we, we do have to be aware of it and we do have to, you know, join. Like, I donate money, like a little piddly 5 and $10 here and there to organizations that are trying to... You know, people that are volunteers that are out there trying to track this information and provide this information and make people aware, I mean, they're doing a huge public service. So I just feel like people just need to be more aware and get more involved in it. And uh, like you said, West Virginia, I don't think we have too much of an issue because we're a pretty pretty homogenous state. But if there are any Democratic areas, they will try to break them up.
0: Absolutely. I would imagine that Charleston is probably – Charleston and Morgantown – but we only, have,
1: we only have three. Yeah. Um, representatives. So.
0: But anyway, we'll end on that note. Thank you, as always, for listening. You can find our podcast anywhere you listen to your podcasts. Um, Anchor, Spotify, iTunes, wherever. And you can find us on Twitter at Project99Cast. Send us a message and uh, let us know some topics you want us to talk about. And uh, this is Juke signing off. And this is Mix.